6.50, 10 minutes away from 7 o'clock, 49 degrees right now. Uh, we've made jokes in the past about, uh, well, the fact that red wine is supposed to be good for you is a good thing. I used to joke around saying I still can't find a doctor who will write a prescription for red wine for me uh, so I can get it covered by insurance. But all jokes are aside now and off. Uh, we've been talking about the increased alcohol consumption during the pandemic. Well, with that come some problems. We're going to try to help in this regard with Dr. Jessica Mellinger, assistant Michigan medicine professor with an expertise in gastroenterology, internal medicine, and transplant hepatology. Doctor, good morning. Welcome to the Paul W. Smith Show. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me on. You guys are so good at Michigan medicine. You haven't come up with a cure for the common cold yet, have you? Because I could use it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I had a cold just the other day, too. <laughs> okay. So it even happens to I doctors. Too. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, apparently transplant numbers for alcohol-related liver inflammation have actually surged during the pandemic because of that high alcohol consumption I mentioned. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've we've been seeing over the over years now, you know, over a couple of decades, we've seen rates of transplants for alcohol-related liver disease going up just kind of steadily. And so that's been a trend that has been well documented. But what we found in the paper that we recently published on this from our research group was that shortly after the pandemic began and surges of alcohol sales really went high, we we saw really dramatic increases, you know, 50% or greater and the numbers of people being waitlisted and then transplanted for, <clears throat> pardon me, for a condition called alcoholic hepatitis. Now, um, just to kind of clarify for you what the difference between kind of the two forms of advanced alcohol-related liver disease, alcohol-related cirrhosis is what many of us are, are familiar with. So that's advanced scar tissue that deposits over years of heavy alcohol use. But there is a severe liver disease called alcoholic hepatitis that you can get after just several weeks of heavy drinking. Mm. And so that's what we really saw was um, rates of transplant for cirrhosis, which again takes, you know, years to decades to develop, really stayed about the same on that, on that kind of upward trajectory, but not quite as dramatic. But the alcoholic hepatitis rates of this severe infl inflammatory condition related to heavy drinking within the, and that affects the liver really soared, you know, kind of in the immediate uh, post-pandemic period. Never heard of it. This is a fascinating news. And even this isn't based on cirrhosis, which we've all been familiar with for years of abuse. This is abuse over the last year or two. Right. Yeah. No. And when you look at some of these patients, you know, over, over time, and there's been a great deal of research done on this alcoholic hepatitis, this kind of more severe inflammatory response. Most of these patients will have cirrhosis underneath. They will have that inflammation kind of cools down, and then you find that, in fact, they do have cirrhosis because the vast majority have been drinking somewhat heavily for, for time. But, but this condition can occur, you know, even if you don't have cirrhosis, and we, and we definitely see that. And it can occur over a relatively short period of time. Again, we're not talking about years and years of heavy drinking that leads mm -hmm. to this. It's really you know, weeks to months of heavy drinking that can That's lead to That's amazing. And then uh, there's an increased number of deceased donor liver transplants related to alcoholic hepatitis, up more than 50% over the predicted numbers associated with that rising, well, the rising mm -hmm. alcohol sales and consumption, registrations for the National Organ Transplant waiting list related to alcoholic hepatitis, as well as the number of deceased donor liver transplants for the 
inflammatory liver condition rose significantly during this pandemic, and Michigan Medicine has found a lot more, uh, both measures exceeding their predicted volumes by more than 50%, and again, both associated with increasing alcohol sales. Now, I say I ask this on behalf of people who drink probably far much more uh, than I do, but the reality is someone out there is saying, okay, Doc, we understand that, we appreciate that, we'll keep an eye on it, but is there a safer alcohol to drink? Is one safer than the other? So, no, I think the short answer is no. Um, I thought from, maybe that would be the short answer. <laughs> certainly from the perspective of a liver, as a liver disease doctor, um, we know of no kind of safe level of safe alcohol type that you can consume. Um, and in terms of the amount that someone can safely consume, you know, if you have liver disease at all, we recommend not drinking at all. Um, certainly individuals who've had, you know, alcohol-related liver disease and who maybe have survived an episode of alcoholic hepatitis, we recommend that they, that they really not drink at all because the data suggests that fairly strongly that in people who have alcohol-related liver disease, if they drink at all, um, they have increased mortality. So kind of separate from the transplant data that we've been talking about, you know, death rates go up in people with alcohol-related liver disease who go back to drinking. Um, so, yeah, we've, you know, you, as I heard you say, you know, sometimes we hear wine is healthy for us. From a liver standpoint, I would say definitely not. And even some of that data that suggests that, you know, there may be wine may be healthy for us. I think some of that data is being called into question as well. Yeah, it is. They're cutting back on it. They used to say, well, two drinks for a man and one drink for a woman or whatever. They've pulled back on that now. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point there, Paul, that, that what is a drink, right? So, a lot of people, um, and I see this in my clinic fairly frequently, and um, I recently uh, saw a patient or a, a, a three, four years ago who um, was in my alcohol-related liver disease clinic and said, you know, I drink three drinks a day, and she couldn't understand why, um, you know, she had liver disease. And when we actually started talking about, you know, what she was putting into each drink, it turned out that there were, there was actually, she was actually pouring about five to six shots, so oh. one drink that oh, one like one shot, right? Like one ounce. So she's actually pouring about five to six shots in each drink. So in reality, she was having about 15 to 18 drinks every night. <sighs> and this... that, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that I think people need to be aware of is that we might, you might think you're having a drink, one drink, but one beer is one drink. One four ounce glass of wine is a drink. One shot is a drink. So, you know, you can kind of test yourself and say, huh, how, you know, am I really getting that amount or am I getting more than that? This is another uh, area where supersizing things is not good for you. Uh, just like supersizing a sugary soft drink, supersizing your french fries, supersizing the cocktail you make for yourself, not good for you. Doctor, thanks for your help. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dr. Jessica Mellinger, Assistant Michigan Medicine Professor, expertise in a variety of areas, sharing them with us today on WJR.